you were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. I am joined today with my friend, my second favorite person in the world, Austin. How are we doing, my man? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, I wasn't trying to get that on video. I couldn't. Uh, I'm assuming you're giggling because we're not looking at each other through a screen, but we're actually here physically it's present. Nuts, one, right? on, one on one. This is uh, mano y mano. Yeah. For those of you Latino, Latinx people out there. I'm worried about and, you this time because last time I think you walked 4,000 steps during our podcast recording. <laughs> Walking around your house carrying your laptop. Yes. And so, uh, yeah, you know, we have to be stationary today. Is that something you're you're feeling good about? I, I am uh, exhausted. I was just saying off uh, mic prior to this that uh, as an extreme extrovert, I think I would call myself an extreme extrovert. I would it's agree. lost on people that that doesn't mean that I don't get tired from talking to people. And being at an event like this with 800 people of people you know and people you're getting to know, uh, it's very tiring. But I'm excited to be here. I'm excited the fact that we don't have a agenda and to see how much trouble we can get into today. Yeah. Let's no. go. Lord knows that there will be no shortage of that. Uh, yeah. And I think it's fun to not have an agenda to just be able to sit down and talk. We're here, obviously, at the Napa Institute Conference. Hey, um, Michael Voris. And it's been a blast. I've had a great time so far. You were the first person that I saw, naturally, because you were sitting in your throne there. <laughs> people, many people have mentioned the fact that I'm in the throne a lot, but I, the, it's, it's all strategic. I want, There's a lot of people. I want to see and I can move around but still miss people or I can stay in the place that I know everyone's going to come through that door Yeah, and I can kind of pull people aside and have conversations and I think it's uh, it's called winning and that's what I'm about. So Being the great connector. The connector. I'm a uniter, <laughs> not a divider. <laughs> Unless you're that's Protestant amazing. then not so much. Then you're a divider. So tell me, how, how's your life? How have things been? You know, it's uh, things are going well. I am, as everyone likes to point out, I travel a lot, so you do. That's uh, that's always the uh, the funny thing. I, I, we mentioned it last time that I am a, a fulfilled Jew. For those Jew haters out there, uh, I became Catholic, and a complaining Jew means you're a happy Jew. So I complain about the fact that I travel so much, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And I actually am happy the fact that I get to complain that I'm working too much and traveling too much. A so, complaining Jew is a happy Jew. Absolutely. That's why Seinfeld is popular. That's why Kirby Enthusiasm. It's all based on this idea that I like to gripe, but that doesn't mean I'm unhappy. 
That's amazing. But all these white people don't understand it. You know what I mean? They really don't. No. It's hard to... Because they're all from Protestant. Even the Catholics are all like raised in this Protestant mindset of like, we just have to pretend like everything's great. No. You know, the food was overcooked last night. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Let's talk about it. That's incredible. Well, I'm glad to know that you have things to complain about. I would hate I, for you I to run out. I will not last, or I will not uh, uh, lack in things and observations. What do you? So think? Nathan, last night, just so for the audience to let me paint you a picture. Nathan, uh, I believe, said <laughs> yesterday that, that I am somebody that has the strong opinions on everything. That don't that I don't lack for opinions. And uh, I don't remember the comment, but someone asked me about some like random thing, and I was very like emphatically about it. And you're like, you just started giggling about. Of course, you have an opinion even on something like that. Yeah, you started yelling at somebody. I don't know what it was for or what for it was about. For everyone out there, this is fake news. I don't know, but I've never <laughs> yelled at anybody. I have a loud voice because I'm Jewish, and if you complain about it, that means you hate Jews, anti-Semite, and uh, it's just part of my cultural. It's my cultural uh, background. What can I do? <laughs> I pull that Jew card anytime I need to, or when I'm playing apples to apples, or just when you want to. Absolutely. It's yeah. a free country. That it is. That it is. I want to say before we get going, I just remembered I haven't thanked you for your service, so thank you for your service <laughs> as a veteran of our country. You're welcome. It was the Army, but I think it still counts. Did you ever consider joining the Army, or did you always know you no, wanted to? No, because I'm a man, so I went into the Navy, like Department of the Navy. Everyone, No one's going to watch movies about the Army. They're going to watch Maverick. Really? So, yeah. Nobody's going to watch movies about the Army. Give me an example of were a good you, Army movie. Were you an aviator? We were soldiers? No. <laughs> Long pause. Can you name, can you tell me the the naval film that that's popular where people just sit on ships? Uh, well, it's called Maverick. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, Tom Cruise's number one grossing movie ever. But he was a pilot. People go. He's for the in the fights. navy. I know that you don't understand that. There's multiple jobs within a branch. <laughs> that's why I asked if you're in aviation. Though I was not in aviation. I was in the navy. Same same branch. So right. be excited. It doesn't have to be the same person that does my job that I have to go watch in the movie. It's like being it's an army cook in the navy. You know. I wouldn't know what it's like to be an army cook because those low ASVAB scores keep me from uh, ever seeing, you know, army's got the lowest ASVAB scores out of any other branch. <laughs> ASVAB out there, if you know what that means, means you're enlisted. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And you were in the Navy for what, six years? I was in eight years total. Eight years total. Incredible. Well, thank you as well for your service. Thank you. I only thanked him so I could be thanked because I feel like it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't being uh, reciprocated. So I can say, I think I told you this last time, if I ever write a book, it's going to be called You're Welcome for My Service. That's going to be the title. Yeah. That'll be great. Because it's always awkward when someone says, thank you for your service. Like, I, I mean, okay, yeah. thanks. Yeah. What do you say back to that typically? The joke that I have, I'm going to open up my life a little bit, is I have a, a saying when people send me like really nice things, like someone sends like a heartfelt text, I get a lot of them for some reason. And people send these really heartfelt texts and just, I, you know, I want you to know, Austin, I love you. You're my brother, blah, blah. And I was joking. How did I respond? Middle finger emoji. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, so, yeah, that's what I want to do. Like when someone Have you found that people, people really appreciate that? I mean, I don't usually send the middle finger emoji, but it's just a funny like... <laughs> That's how you respond to something so like touching. Yeah. Just middle finger emoji. Just a little joke. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> wow. So I know obviously uh, we've recorded together before. Yeah. I don't even remember really what our main topic was last time we was talked. One. I think it was very much like this. I think we came in kind of without a plan. Um, it's two brothers hanging out. You know, Cecilia and Megan got that one the dang heck bullcrap lady <laughs> fest. Men need to have a similar gab fest that is that is built on. Pushing each other to be better and finding ways to mock each other. Yeah, I agree. Both finding hands. ways to mock each other. I like that. Yeah, I know that that is something that is very uh, central to who you are as a person. Is Love. Uh, yeah, that and giving people a hard time. 
But I, but at the same time, I have to say this. I also get a hard time. It's not like I'm only the one giving. I don't think I've ever given you Everyone, a hard time. Are you joking right now? <laughs> um, the number of people that like to mock me is uh, a number that I can't even calculate. Yeah, it's, it's... But I'll take it. Yeah, I think like three to five X year over year. Totally. If I had to guess. And it's something I just take because it's hopefully going to take time off of purgatory, but we'll see. Yeah. If it even exists. God willing. Yeah. Joking. <laughs> Dare we, dare so let's talk while we're here. Let's uh, talk about your one of your favorite people in the world um, is Pope Francis, obviously. Whoa! And so let's we're just going let's, in. let's just dive right in. I have no idea what this sounds like right now because I don't have headphones because it's a low so budget Pope operation. Francis. So if I sound too close this, to the microphone, I apologize. This is very low budget. Let me do a low, low budget. Let's just do, do an audio. Really I just want to see where my mic. I don't have like a. We didn't really have a good sound check before. Yeah, we have either. a sound check. I can't. It's not usual to do a podcast like this without having. Headphones, so if I'm too loud, I apologize. Sometimes I think my voice is too high-pitched. It kind of drives me crazy. So we need to get you... Uh, so I should get more headphones for you. I think uh, the best thing is... Because we do have a little bit of an echo in here, so if you could turn your volume down a little bit. I will turn my volume down. That sounds great. Here, hold on a second. Let me go on a commercial for you. I, I just... <laughs> Hello. Welcome to Hallow. <laughs> I am Austin, the basic Catholic. And tonight... I'm here to tell you that Pope Francis is the Holy Father. <laughs> wow. And while I don't agree with on a lot of things he does, it does not change the fact that he is the Vicar of Christ. Powerful. Did you hear that, Alex? What was that a commercial for? I'll never be on Hallow because I'm too conservative, but that's another subject. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Hallow. Check it out. You do. You do like to give Hallow as an organization a hard time. Of course. That's what I've learned. You give a hard time to those people that you love. So you get too loud and then it gets echoey. I'm oh, sorry. You give a hard time. I don't know what he wants it's from me. It's going to be a big challenge for you. I, think I don't know what he wants this. from me. Okay, it's so Pope amazing. Francis, what do you want to know? So let's talk He's about from Argentina. Recent things, Italian. Recent things that have kind of happened oh. with him. Obviously, we've had the uh, the headdress thing recently. I don't care about that. What was that? What was the? That was in Canada, correct? Mm -hmm. He's on this. He's on this apology tour for the alleged indigenous children death scandal um, in Canada at these homes. Um, the interesting thing about that is the fact that they've never found dead bodies. Really? Yeah, I, that's something I never knew until like two days ago when I started reading into it. And sure enough, they think there are dead bodies buried in these places. They're not mass graves, as they're allegedly called. Yeah. Um, but he went to Canada to apologize for the treatment of these children in these indigenous schools. Um, again, without proof that this even happened, that they're being accused of doing. Um, wow. Definitely complicated, to say the least. What? Yeah. So I guess... Is that the whole thing? That's the whole reason why he's there? And yes. that's how he ended up doing the indigenous? I mean, they're doing other stuff, but that's, that's, the, the, kind of that's, the, that's the entire uh, um, theme of the, move, of, the, of the travel. Gotcha. Okay. That's that, very... I think he wants to get a lot of publicity of him being pushed around in wheelchairs everywhere. So Yeah. 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 And so talk to me about that. What's like his, his health status? No one knows. He's got some health stuff. I keep hearing things that he's got some major health issues. Um, some friends of mine in the media over in the, the, the Roman uh, press pool. Um, but uh, I'm not on some Pope death watch as some people are. I know that's, yeah. that's a very creepy thing for people because in the church we do believe that, Lord willing, there is life after death. And so the vicar of Christ is a temporary position. Mm -hmm. Some retire, unfortunately. Um, but uh, it usually is a lifetime service. So I think there are people in the church that are probably anticipating a new pope. Um, this is the one we got. What is your perspective? I assume you're at least somewhat, a fan might be a bad word, but at least you have some respect for 
uh, former Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI. Like, what is your, I think it's, it's just so interesting to me, like, how, how do you kind of balance a love for him while recognizing that, like, him retiring was not awesome? Here's my thing. I think Pope Benedict XVI is a holy and virtuous man. I do also believe that as a father, you don't leave your, your children. And while I, I, again, think his intentions were pure and good uh, in abdicating his, uh, his, his throne, if you were, uh, if it were, um, I believe that this is going to be the thing that's going to be the greatest stain on his papacy. I believe that this is going to be the thing that will keep him, Lord willing, from being a saint. Declared a king. Really? A saint. You think he would have been a saint? He quit. His quitting is what caused this thing right now. And I think, regardless of what you think of Holy Father Pope Bened- or Pope Francis, um, there's no indication that this papacy has been a success. I'm not talking about the ecclesial um, machinations that people argue about all the time. I'm talking about just looking at the numbers, looking at vocations, looking at all the, the things that we can use as an arbiter of of this papacy and how it's affecting the world. The people that are in love with Pope Francis as a, as a, as a, not the man, but as a, almost a mystical figure of what he's trying to do. They believe that the reason I I believe that the reason that they love this Pope is because they think he's bringing about change that they all want in the church. Mm. They want gay marriage. They want uh, abortions. They want all these leftist viewpoints to be espoused in the church. They want female ordination, all these things. That's what it comes down to. Whenever you talk to someone that's like a diehard Pope Francis fan within or without the church, inside or outside the church, um, it always comes back to when you peel enough layers to realize what they love is they think he's changing the church. Um, and so it's a complicated place. Um, I will say this. I think I'm not usually this quiet and calm, but I'm trying to keep my voice down and not get more <laughs> You're doing anim- a great job. I'm not trying to get more animated. So I get it's very echo impressive. In here. Um, but I, I, to be clear, the Holy father is not only the Pope for the world and the, the leader of the world, um, when it comes to faith in on, on the planet, He's also the spiritual father of priests and seminarians. The thing for me that has been the greatest indicator of the fact that this papacy is a problem is the fact that when I was in seminary under Pope Benedict and then in the seminary under Pope Francis, one of the greatest things that was ever pointed to me was when you would go into a room in the seminarian's bedroom, their room, their room in the seminary, I would say 80% plus seminarians would have a picture of the Holy Father on their wall. Mm-hmm. or on their bookshelf. There was some framed or some photo right. of the Pope somewhere. I would ask anyone who's in seminary now to think about it. I, you don't go into many rooms in the seminary where people have framed photos and pictures of the Pope, of this Pope. Okay, Austin, what does that mean? That's a nice little aside, but what does that mean? I think that there is a, for whatever reason, the Holy Father has done a very bad job of acting like a father. Not only to... Uh, I think the laity, I think specifically to the priests and to seminarians, to men discerning and or in the active process of becoming priests in their, in their priestly formation. And what I mean by that is the fact that the Holy Father, when you read about things he says about priests, he always makes them sound, he's called them little monsters. He's made very derogatory things, especially if you're traditional minded at all. Um, And I find that problematic. I think as a, as a, just as a bishop, let alone the fact that he's the Bishop of Rome, so he's the Pope, but just as a bishop of a diocese, which at the end of the day, that's what he is, the Bishop of Rome. As the Bishop of a diocese, 
that's no way to run uh, a diocese. You, at the end of the day, have a, have a, a fatherly responsibility to your priests and to your seminarians to, to light a fire within them and let them understand their own worthiness because of your spiritual fatherhood that comes from the office that you hold. And I think that is something that's very problematic. It's something that priests and seminarians will only say in hushed conversations. It's not being discussed outwardly because it's the Pope. And so we're in a weird situation. Historically, I think the fact that we have had great Popes, quote unquote, for the last so many decades, so century plus, we've been lucky. But in the history of the church, we've had more bad popes, quote unquote, bad popes than we have good popes. Um, so this is nothing new. It's just new to us because we've never experienced it. And you can easily look through and we can have a longer conversation about things that the Holy Fathers, uh, Pope Saint Pope John Paul II did. We can look at not John Paul I because he was only in Pope for like 10 days. Yeah. Um, poisoned. And then, uh, uh, but we can look at other popes and say, for the most part, they were good intention and they, they did decent um, I think the Holy Father is a political actor more a lot of times than it seems like he's a spiritual father. And I think that's a problem. I think his demeanor is very off-putting. Um, again, a lot of people like the Holy Father because they think he's a liberal. And I'm not here to, to make those assessments based on a political uh, calculation when we're in the church and we're supposed to be outside of the politics. We can be involved in politics as Catholics, but mm -hmm. we shouldn't equate what happens in the church to a political term and say conservative, liberal, those things. But I do believe the Holy Father comes from a worldview that is his own worldview, fine, but both that he's from Latin America and that he is a Jesuit, I think has caused him to have a certain worldview that I think is at odds with the West, in particular America. I think he has a great animosity towards this country, which has never made sense to me. Um, and I think that when we look back at this papacy, I don't know what we're going to see that was a success. I don't know what we're going to see a pope that is getting people to to closer to be to be closer to Christ. He mm -hmm. says nice things, quote unquote, nice things, but uh, nice things only go so far. Absolutely, yeah. I think that uh, interesting, and I think an assessment that I would mostly agree with. And you know, it's not every day that we get to agree with each other, so I really appreciate. It. Well, and I'm glad you asked this question. And, and no, one of the things is, it. I'm not here to talk bad about the Holy Father. Um, I I think it's important that we can have honest conversations. If it was just you and I as as brothers, as friends, um, I I have issues with organizations like that are outside right now. That everything that happens bad in the church, they want to put all over the media for clicks and for views and ultimately for money. Um, we're part of a family. And in a family, we can have issues, we can have disagreements, but I'm not going to go out and complain in my, about my family to other people, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to keep that within each other. Ideally, your audience is mostly Catholic or people that are in this worldview. Um, so I think it's important to have these conversations. And one of the things that uh, one of my closest friends, we were talking about this yesterday on the phone, was so much of our life is spent wanting people to love us and to like us and to want to be around us. Mm -hmm. And so we're not willing to have these difficult conversations. What I'm saying right now is not a popular conversation topic, especially in public. I think most people have these views, but we're taught to not say those things. And we're not supposed to say things that might be construed as being judgmental or hateful or those things. But if I ultimately love somebody, and I do love the Pope, I do love the Holy Father. If I ultimately love somebody, I owe it to that person to tell them honestly how I feel, plain mm -hmm. and simple. And I think, unfortunately, so many people are unwilling to have those conversations with people because they're ultimately afraid that that person's going to abandon them, not love them back. But if we believe in capital T truth that the church is and embodies on this planet, I owe it to everyone, including you and including to your audience, to speak truthfully 
always, even if it isn't polite company. Yeah, even if it doesn't make people feel good. Correct. And it doesn't feel good. It feels like we've been without a spiritual father for a number of years now. And I'm and I'm frustrated because it's only the wackadoodles on the far right who even say it. And then it's discredited because they're the wackadoodles on the far right. Yeah, because they're crazy. Yeah, that's really interesting. What do you think is, do you think there's like a point at which it's not helpful uh, to criticize the Pope or to talk about these things? I think when it's done in a place of, of, of lacking charity. So I hope nothing I've said here doesn't sound uncharitable. I'm not here to say, I don't like the cut of his jib. I don't like the way he does that. <laughs> there are a lot of things I just don't understand or agree with. And, I, and I, I'm, a, I'm a beloved son of God. I'm a member of the body of Christ as a member of the Roman Catholic Church. As a fulfilled Jew. As a fulfilled Jew. I'm glad we put that, that out there. But ultimately, as a member of the body of Christ, the Pope works for me. Right. Yeah. And I don't feel that, and I don't feel that he is doing anything to show that he loves us. One of the things we'll get into this later, I'm sure I'm a big fan of the, the traditional Latin mass or the, <laughs> I can never say it. Cardinal Burke always says you, you, and I can never say it. it's the official like term of what it actually is called. The TLM has the, a different term. TLM, it's actually, it's you, it's like the old use or whatever it's called. Wow. Um, I didn't know that the church spends millions of dollars and has hosted multiple synods at this point of this papacy to figure out what they can do to, quote, bring young people back to the church. Young people, in response, say, we want to be able to go to the Latin Mass. We'd like to see more Latin Mass. What does the Holy Father and the, and the Vatican bureaucracy do? Close that down. It has made zero sense to me. To You don't need a synod. You don't spend millions of dollars to see where are young people flocking to. Now, that's not me saying that we should get rid of everything else and just keep the Latin mass. But there is clearly a, a desire by the youth, by young people, to have something more than their Novus Ordo parishes where they've had so many abuses and so many things liturgically that just don't make sense. And to see this happen, it just it, it, it's, it's, it's very frustrating for me. As somebody that you've gotten to know me pretty well, that I am not a, the smartest person in the room. I'm not an expert on most things. But I have eyes. And I have a brain. And I could see what's happening. And obviously I'm in a different situation because I, I get to travel so much. I am, you know, fairly connected to different segments of the church and the population. But I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to see that for the most part, young people have a desire for beauty, truth, and the things that were taken away from us. They don't want to go to whitewashed churches with 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 Karen from the parish council up on the altar doing all <laughs> right. kinds of stuff. They don't want that stuff. They don't want to hold your hand in the Our Father so they can feel like they're part of a community. They don't want... Um, two men giving the homily. Two men giving the homily uh, on Gay Dad Day. They don't They don't want any of that stuff. They want, they want orthodoxy. They want to know that their life, if they're saying that their life is meant for more, if they're saying that the Catholic Church is the place of truth and the seat of wisdom on earth, they want to feel like it actually correlates to what they experience at their masses. Right. What do you think, uh, what do you think is that draw? Why do you think that is? I think it's one of those things that can make sense to those of us who understand it. But what if somebody doesn't understand it? If you were trying to explain it to a priest or to a parent or these, I think it happens a lot of times in youth ministry where there's like, we have to almost water down the faith for the sake of uh, appealing to the youth or appealing to young people. We have to like make it super fun and it has to be emotional. Why do you think, why do you think that people actually like the more serious, well, explain this more to me. reverent, orthodox things? Explain this to me. Since the council, and again, this is not a dig at the council, but that's the timeline. Since the council, yeah. parishes took out all the beautiful items. They whitewashed their parishes. All the art, the, the statues, a lot of that stuff was taken out. 
and either replaced with ugly modern stuff or just not at all. Our music has become banal in this like hippy dippy Protestant stuff that just is not fitting for what we believe the mass to be the source and summit of our faith. And we say that's because this is the way we're going to make people. It's more relatable, quote unquote. And it's, I don't keep saying quote unquote like ten million times here. It's it's more relatable. It's, it's, it's you thought about it. It's more. <laughs> you went on a streak there where you said it like sixteen yeah, times. It's more quote unquote. It it's so more. Funny. It's more relatable if we make it more you know approachable to people and all that. We've heard it all. Those same people that we say that we're we're, we're ministering to, they pay money to go to museums to look at the museums that house that house the statues that used to be in our churches. The paintings that were in our churches, <laughs> yeah. they literally, some of them have reliquaries, you name it. Yeah. They have it there. They have chalices and gold case, in cases, glass cases. And then they go and pay money to go to the symphony and other things where they go listen to Mozart's Requiem Mass and all this beautiful music that was written for the mass. Yeah. So the same people that aren't religious and don't want any of that stuff, we, we say. We just take it all out. Yeah. We take it all out and then they pay money. They actually pay money to go see it other places. Explain that to me. I believe young people know that there's more to life and they don't want, they don't go to mass because they want to feel like it's everything else in their life. They want something that transcends the world and the world's chaotic and the world is, is the ground is uneven and slippery. One day a man means this next day we don't know what a woman is, but then abortion laws uh, change. And now all of a sudden we know what women are again. Like nothing is solid. There's no solid footing, right? The one solid footing is Lord willing is the mass is the church. And when the church is uneasy and in this weird, uneasy time, it causes confusion for people. And the best thing that came out of COVID, in my opinion, prior to the um, the COVID lockdowns, uh, Pew, I don't know if we talked about this last podcast, but the last, the Pew research, that was scary. <laughs> oh I thought we were about ready to get shot. Did you jump or just I, me? No, it was 100% you, but you jumped enough for both of us. So the... Door just rattled. And but it rattled like I thought we were getting shot. You would have thought that there was AK-47 rounds being sprayed outside the window <laughs> the way that this man just jumped. That was really funny. They know the Jews in here. It's, the Navy. it's the Navy that did that. <laughs> that was Pew research poll. I want to be more like outgoing here, but I also feel like I have to be calm and I quiet. did kind of figure it out a little bit. So the, the volume situation is a lot better than it once was. Okay. Well, than it once so, was. So I the, echoes, the echo's not as bad. No, it was me. It was me trying to figure this out. I really hope Cecilia's episode was fine. She's got a high-pitched voice. I'm not going to hear it anyway. Yeah, I think hers uh, was a little bit easier. But um, <laughs> um, no, so the, the COVID lockdown right before the yeah. Pew Research poll came out that 70-some percent of Catholics masculine Catholics did not believe in the true presence. And I don't care what anyone says. It's society, blah, blah, blah. When we treat the Eucharist as though it does not matter, that's what happens. And so people see, oh, excuse me. So I'm trying to thought there with the COVID lockdown. So many parishes closed down, except a lot of the TLM parishes. Mm -hmm. And so people started going to that who had never had a desire, even knew about the TLM really, but it was a place they could go and receive the sacraments. And then they fell in love with it. And so for me, these aren't people that are like waxing poetic about the old days. They didn't, no one, like no one in our generation grew up at all with the Latin mass. So this, we can't be like nostalgic for something we never experienced. Right. But there is this inner desire for truth, for discomfort. I want to be discomforted. I want to be uneasy. Mm -hmm. If we believe that the source and summit happens at the liturgy, at the mass, it shouldn't feel like something I experienced at the country club or out here at the courtyard having dinner it should be something that's almost like that is uncomfortable, both physically in my posture, 
in my prayer, in the, in the, the, um, the silence, how uncomfortable that is in our society that's filled with noise. Yeah. All those things that put us off our, our, um, put us in an uneasy place. I think that's appealing to people because yeah. they want to go to something that's different. I mean, if you want to go to a coffee shop and like listen to praise and worship music all day, there's plenty of non-denominational <laughs> churches all over the place. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, I've, I've always said, I thought it was interesting how so many churches try to be Protestant while still trying to be Catholic. Um, and Protestant, I mean like non-denominational, right? And it's like they end up being really, really bad at both. And that's one of the things that I think was really has been really devastating to evangelizing young people and to keeping people in the church. The other thing I think is... Uh, we have this, uh, unwillingness to like lead with men and to like try to reach the men first. And so I think that's interesting. And I'd love to get your thoughts more on that because I know that you are passionate about evangelizing men specifically. Amen. Unlike Judaism, which I come from where the religion comes from the mother, Catholicism. Why do you say that? Can you explain that more? Why? You have to be your, and it all stems back from the fact we knew who the, the baby came out of because we saw it come out of this woman. Whereas there's a question of like, we can't necessarily prove back in antiquity who the father was, but you know that the person came from the mother, right? right? So the Judaism, the bloodline was passed on through her. That's really That's interesting. Why it's in but Christianity, Catholicism is through the father. So many example after example, after example, after example, you meet holy women, virtuous women in their eighties, nineties, sixties, seventies, whatever. And they'll cry and say, Oh, my kids don't go to mass. It's not the first question you ask them is, did your husband go? Yeah. And the answer always is 99.99999% of the time was either no or sometimes. Yeah. The And the mother's like this holy saintly woman and no one can figure out like where her kids, what, what did she do wrong? What wrong? She did nothing wrong, but their kids, the she kids married, saw. <laughs> she married well, a non-practicing yeah. Catholic. <laughs> well, yeah. That year ago. Yeah. The kid saw the father, not, it was not important to him. The faith comes from him, but the church, I'm going to say some unpopular things now is filled with <laughs> gay men as priests or gay adjacent effeminate men. There's this, this thing, this toxic part that everyone alludes to, but no one wants to talk about it except church militant, but they do it uncharitably. So then it kind of goes off the rails there, <laughs> but they're, they're right about that. There is an issue with effeminate men, not even, I would say gay, but effeminate men who are not men. They're not taught in seminary to be men. They're coddled to. Everything's about just your comfort and how you feel. Father, father's not available today because you know today's his day off. Oh, father doesn't wear his clerics when he goes to the grocery store because he doesn't want to be bothered. Father doesn't wear his, his clerics when he travels because again, it's his, he's going on vacation. Oh, you know, yeah, father only hears confessions for thirty minutes a week because he's busy the rest of the time. <laughs> it's this is effeminacy, and I guess I, let's let's take that back. It's not even homosexuality, which is root of a lot of this, but it's effeminacy. The priests are not men, a lot of them. And they, they, they live this life where they're told that they're perfect. Everything's great. Everyone worships you. They go to dinner at night with the, some of the ladies from the parish. And they, it's, it's not masculinity. There's not, yeah. It's not rooted in what it is to be a man. And then so the, the men of the parish, the husbands of the parish, they don't look at father whiff and poof and go, oh, wow, I want to be like him. I feel like he can help me. He's, that priest is hanging out with the ladies. And then who are the people that are clucking around the parish and involved in the parish? The ladies, that's mm -hmm. the great irony is we hear this complaint all the time that women are not involved in the church. Have you ever been to a parish? It's run by women <laughs> right. and the priest half the time is practiced. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and so what we what our church is lacking right that's now is, is virtue and masculinity in this idea that father's life is supposed to be discomforted. Father is supposed to like, I was just having a conversation where I came in here and a priest 
we were talking about wearing your clerics and traveling and he mentioned the, and then the woman next to says, Oh yeah, father got spit on in public. And you know, what my reaction is good. Even if it's a bad reaction someone has on you, they at least know you're a priest that they want to spit on you, right? Mm -hmm. They see you. You are an example. You are the reminder to the people in a very tangible and real way that there's more to life than you. The priest represents the church. The church represents God. We knew those people. It's never made sense to me that priests say that it's discomfortable uh, or uncomfortable, excuse me, for them to wear their clerics everywhere, blah, blah, blah. Show me. We have habited sisters running around everywhere here. Those sisters, I will never see them without their habit, no matter where they're going or what they're doing. They're always going to be in their habit. Where do we get this idea that the priest has like Doesn't a uniform and he can just wear it when it's comfortable? Yeah. Where, where do you, do you have a, a theory on where that actually came from? Like, is that yeah, a post I think it's, I think it's post Vatican II laziness. I think there's a desire to be loved and to be part of society and that desire to be part of Not society even is to be liked, but that's ultimately what it, to be liked is to be loved. We want to be liked because we want to be loved. Ultimately we want people. Well, to, I love you a lot more than I like you. Well, I, I don't like you at all. So what does that say for that? <laughs> so it's also safe for you. I, I think there's a there's a desire for priests there's there is a desire for priests to be liked and to be loved, and I just I want priests to know that we need them. They are not just uh, sacramental ministers, as a lot of these liberal parishes will call them now, because they'll have like a parish administrator, a lay woman, always a lay woman, and then they'll have what they call sacramental ministers who just you know celebrate the mass. And um, the administrator is the head of the parish. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that exists. Oh yeah. I think you're making uh, this up. St. I think it's St. Francis de Sales Parish in Albany, New York. Um, I, they're all over the place. I can start listing them. Yeah. There's a lot of parishes like this. That's crazy. Where they have a lay woman over the parish. She's not called the pastor cause she's not a priest. So it's parish administrator. And then they'll have one or two or a couple always older boomer priests who are called the sacramental ministers. The parish in Albany, New York, which by the way, this is how bad it is. Even with Bishop, uh, Schroffenberger, that diocese in this parish is in Albany, right down the street from the cathedral. They have this woman that's running it. It's on their website. They, they put it on their photo galleries. And this is also, by the way, this serious? is the Newman Center Parish. I don't look it up. This is the Newman Center Parish for the school. I think it's Siena or whatever college down the street. So here, let's, let's draw you a picture for you. It's the Easter Vigil. In this parish... They have a pictures. I saw it. I took screenshots. Oh, man. This parish, they have the, the sacramental or the, the parish administrator, the woman, she's wearing an alb and they have people being baptized, right? She's pouring the glass bowl of water onto the person being baptized and the priest is sticking his hand in the water as it's flowing down. That's, that's his, like the, what did you say? That's like the, that's like the, the baptism. baptism. <laughs> oh my God. I think it's Francis de Sales. Let me look it up here. We got a minute here, right? Yeah, that is wild. It's downtown Albany. Um, here you go. I just opened it up, and this is the first thing. Priest who offered mass on inflatable lounge set and see, I was perhaps imprudent. You think? Did you hear about this? <laughs> what? No. This is in Italy. A priest with no clothes on except his swim trunks on a floaty celebrated mass in the, in the water with a bunch of people in their bathing suits. Perhaps I was imprudent. This is the issue, and no one, the, the, the Holy Father and, and the various bishops are not putting out documents about this stuff. It's the Latin Mass. It's, it's, it's the problematic one. Um, that is wild to me. I've never seen him on a floaty. My boy did Mass on a floaty. What's up with these Italians, man? It's all of them. And I, I also get tired of that. People, oh, well, this Disliking is. Uh, Italians? Well, no, it's, everyone's like, well, this is just their cut. That's their custom. It's their they culture. Do. It's their culture. It's what they do. 
Yeah, um, that's really that's really wild. So how do you think we go about uh, changing course on that? Like, what's kind of your strategy to evangelizing men other than um, talking a lot of shit to them? I think you I that's hold them accountable. Like, you know, that's no, a pivotal part. <laughs> no, for example, like your pastoral men, you have to understand how to you have to understand how to deal with men. Men don't aren't called. Um, a priest can get up or can put in the bulletin every week. I need someone to help out with X, Y, Z. The only people who are going to respond to that request are who women. women. If a priest goes up to John Smith and says, John, I have this need. I need you to do it. John's going to say, yes, father. Right. We have to minister to, to men as men need to be ministered to men need direct men are always going to let women just take it up. Like, I don't got time for that. Let her do it. Yeah. But if you go to John and say, I need you, you have a need, you'll get men immediately. But that's not the easy way. The yeah. easy way is just put in the bulletin. Women will say yes. And then and there same we go. thing with inviting to events. I feel like that's also very common. Like this, like, oh, just open-ended. Like anybody can come. Like all are welcome. Like we need to individually, intentionally meet people. Totally. And invite them. And that's something, I mean, I don't think I do a great job of that, to be honest with you. And I think that it's been something, and maybe you've experienced this too. I mean, you're more like nationwide because you travel so much, but like for me, I think that I honestly have struggled to a certain extent because of moving the last like three years. I've spent in three different places, right? In three different mm-hmm. states. And so it's hard to like start to develop that community or like to be uh, a person of influence in a parish that you're new at, you know? And so you're kind of like still trying to figure it out. And so that's why I'm really excited. We just bought this house that we're getting you this- bought a house. Yeah, I didn't tell you that. You don't talk to me. Yeah, <laughs> that is objectively false. But we did buy a house in Inglewood, so we're going to still go to Our Lady of Lords. I definitely told you about this yesterday because remember we talked about Our Lady of Mount Carmel with that one priest? I don't hear what you say. So you don't listen. That's different than me not talking to you. But uh, we're going to get to stay at this parish, and I finally feel like I'm settled in, we're involved, and I'm like, now I can really start to, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I think that's kind of the next phase is figuring out like what's God calling me to, but um yeah, it's really interesting. Are you done checking Twitter yet? I'm trying to find this Catholic church because it's driving me crazy. What's your screen time like a day? I feel like you've got to be at like 8 to 12 hours I think a day. four hours. There's no way. You're... Want me to look it up? <laughs> yeah, show, Where do I find show that Show me the numbers. Screen How time. much is the basic Catholic What do you think the average daily phone? average is? Four and a half hours. You think four and a half is the daily average? Uh, I actually want to go like 515, but you said four, so I brought it down. Four is me kidding. I don't know. I'll go 515. Okay, so I will tell you this. It is my screen time, the daily average right now is down 11% this oh, week. I was actually serious when week. I said eight hours, though, at the beginning. You think eight hours is what you're saying? <laughs> All right. Let me eight give hours you, your final answer? Let me give you an actual number. I'm going to go six and a half hours. You're not going to say eight? No, six that and a half. was a dumb decision. Eight hours and 12 minutes? <laughs> Dude. What? I'm down right now 11% from last That's week. That's like an hour. Almost. Yeah. Is That's that a ridiculous. lot? That's a ton. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm in that like three to four range every day. Because you take naps. I do enjoy a good siesta. There is no denying that, my friend. Let's look here. Daily average four hours. So I'm at the high end of that. Four, three to four. <laughs> I think you need to talk about your problems. Yeah, I do have some serious issues. So uh, anyways, yeah, so evangelizing men. So I think that's that's a great example. I think it's a great practical example. And we all have to realize that we're called to that. You know, like I think it's convicting for me to realize and hear that and to... Um, yeah, just kind of understand, like, I have a responsibility to do that. I've been really reflecting on this lately, and I think you made an, an allude, you alluded to it earlier and kind of joked about the dare we hope shit, but 
like that. I've it, never been on a Catholic podcast that says the the S word. So I appreciate that. I guess. <laughs> Do you? I like that you just said the S word as though you don't curse, which was. I try not to. That was misleading to the people. I just want everybody, I to want everybody to know that I try not to curse. Do I curse every once in a while? Yes. Every once in a while is in every day in no. every conversation that we have. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe so, that's you and oh, the, 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 the victim blaming the, uh, I, what is it called? Um, we are what the you virus. bring up. That's what you bring up to me. <laughs> that makes sense. Design. That makes sense. No, I could get that. All right. So, uh, dare we hope I've been posting about this lately because I think it's really interesting. This idea of what uh, Ralph Martin terms salvation optimism. Also, before we go into that, are you, what's your uh, opinion and perspective on Ralph Martin as a human? Don't know him. Like you don't know him personally, but have you ever read any of his stuff? stuff. You don't read anything, do you? I read all kinds of things nonstop. I just don't read him. Do you read books though? Or do you mainly read like articles and things like that? I read everything. I try to get my hands on everything I can. I don't read a ton of books just because I'd have to carry it with me because I travel so much. You like a Kindle. You ever heard of the internet? I have a very nice iPad. I have a very, I have a lot of electronics. That's not, I don't lack for that. Uh, just, <laughs> I, would doubt I don't it. like reading on a, like a book. I want a book. I want, cause I find a book to be a, a, an achievement and I want, when I'm done with that book to be able to put it on the shelf. I read that. Yeah. That's what I do. And a Kindle, it's like, Oh, I did this thing and then it's done. Uh, you can buy them though. What did I just say? You can kind of waste the money and that's a lot. You're buying two books. Then. Yeah, exactly. But you got it like that. You can afford two books. What I have is what I have. <laughs> And I am whatever you think I am. And if I wasn't, why would you think I am? <laughs> why would you say I am? Philosophy right there. Or Eminem. Eminem. <laughs> the real Slim Shady, baby. Yes. I love it. So let's talk about, uh, you should read Ralph Martin. I think it's great. Um, Dare We Hope. Like, so I'm a, you could have said the original OG about Dare We Hope, which is Von Baltasar. Hans yeah. Von Baltasar. Um, I, from my understanding, um, what he was intending is not what's being misconstrued now. About He's not saying that. He believes no, there's nobody so in hell. Either. He's just saying we should hope that no one's in hell. And we should especially hope, and I think this is something that my friend Zach Crippen and I really talked about recently. Never heard of him. Uh, you have heard of him because he's in the group chat. He gets put in the group chat. That Credo podcast was posted like two days ago. What group chat? You, Cecilia just talked about having no memory, and I literally think she was actually talking about you. What group chat is he in? Eche? Oh, Chris. No, no, no. But somebody shared Credo podcast twice. Oh, I don't read whenever those guys post things and I don't read unless it's something I need to respond to. Unreal. So Zach and I, my friend Zach Crippen and I were talking about how the real hope should be, not that you shouldn't hope the hell is empty, but we should hope that everybody, especially everybody alive today gets saved. It's just the importance of that. Gets saved? Yeah. It's very Protestant language. Goes to heaven. Salvation is... Becomes a saint. Becomes a saint. Thank you. It's so easily triggered. What can I say? Maybe I'm a liberal. <laughs> you, you Guaranteed, have, if we're going to have a conservative liberal off, you will win that. You will win the liberal award, you not think, me. You think I'm a little bit more left? You woke you. AF. <laughs> in what ways? In what ways am I woke? Black victim mentality. You have, <laughs> you have, you, you. You're yeah. the most ridiculous person. You, you just came yeah. on here talking, like crying about anti-Semitism. You, because that that's a real thing. It happened 13 minutes ago. The, that literally is a real My thing. My people are the killed number every day. One, the number one attacked minority group in this country, based on the FBI statistics, is the Jewish community. But the reason we don't talk about it is why. Because you're bald. And so you don't have the... First of all, let's paint a picture that I'm not. And uh, um, why do we not talk about Jewish hate crimes in this it's country? Not, Two reasons. Uh, can I guess one of them? Yeah. It's not uh, politically correct. Why? 
because Jews are considered white at this point. That's actually a good, I would say that's the third one, but that's, that's mm-hmm. a good point. A lot of people think that, but okay. So what are the two topics? Probably get one of three. Well, it was only one out of two, but you got, I'd say the third one that wasn't on the list, but it's still <laughs> on the list. What is the two? Um, what would the other one be? Um, Oh, Which, because it's done by people of, uh, you're going to say people of color. I was going to say people of different ethnic backgrounds, black people. Yeah. It's black people attacking Jews. So then we have the oppression Olympics. Okay. How the black people are so mistreated. How can yeah. they be the ones of the aggressors? White dudes aren't going around beating up Jews. Yeah. <laughs> it's black people. The, and the, the whole Asian hate stuff, all that stuff. Also black people. Fact. I mean, I, 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 this is not a popular thing to talk about because it's like, uh, that's what it is. Yeah. But because we've put black people in this category that this thing that happened 200 years ago, now everyone's like, you get a free pass. I, I don't understand that. The second reason why Jews don't get a lot of recognition for their hate that they have to deal with all the time is Jews don't usually complain about it, which is ironic because I said Jews love to complain. But when it comes to actual things, most Jews just take it, if you will, and just yeah. move forward. Um, have so, you ever listened to uh, Barry Weiss, honestly? Call me, what is her? Or no, yeah, Barry Weiss, I have very interesting opinions of. I think she's good in some ways. Um, she is a lesbian in a lesbian marriage. Yeah. So there's automatically some problems in her thinking just off the bat. Yeah. Um, but I, my issue with Barry Weiss is that, and this is a thing really with conservatism right now, is whenever there's somebody that says anything we like from the left, we're like, yeah, they're one of us. No, they're not. They yeah. disagree with us on certain things. David Rubin's an example. Dave Everyone's like, oh, example. David, Dave Rubin, Dave Rubin. Elon Musk is a great example. I it's watch like, oh, Dave Rubin, though. I'm not going to lie to you. Elon Musk, he's, you know, he's all, yeah, he says some things we like. That's good. You know what that Dave Rubin is? He's, he's also a gay man in a gay marriage. He is. He's hilarious. That's what he Because he's Jewish. It comes naturally. Yeah, he's really funny. Um, but no, I think Elon's a great example of that. I think, uh, yeah, Barry, I don't even think would really be considered conservative, but she is one of those people that, yeah, she's we just going get, on a lot of conservative pol- podcasts yeah. because she got canceled by on. New York times and the woke. Yep. And so she's now on our side. No, she's not. Yeah. What do you think is the, the balance of that? I feel like I struggle to find the good, I don't know if it's a middle ground, but just, it, I think it's, it, it applies to, let me finish, let me finish, let me finish, let me finish. Uh, it, I don't know what he's saying. I'm not said a thing. You were close and I can tell cause we're in person. Uh, you turd. So we have this, I think both with Protestants and we have it in the conservative movement because to a certain degree, like we want Barry Weiss to vote for Republican, right? Like we do want them, like we want to welcome them to our side. And I think that they can be helpful, helpful. And I think that there are some helpful things that came out of Vatican II in regards to changing the way uh, we approach Protestants and not just calling them heretics. Um, they are heretics. Indeed. But I think there's value in not leading with that. Um, and we want them to eventually come to our side, like, how do you think we kind of find that balance of like recognizing like you're not really one of us, but you're kind of one of us and you're welcome no. to become one of us. No truth. How do you think you do the it? The issue is the fact that we, we don't want to tell people like, it is, think, it, is uncomfortable. it is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. in day. If I went today at dinner tonight and said that your daughter, there's a guy that's here that we both know. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Whose father was born and raised Catholic in high school, left the church with his entire family. Families all practicing Catholics. One of his kids is here right now. And I had a conversation with this person and I asked him, I said, I don't see your dad. Like there's something about when anything comes up about faith, your dad, like it's just uh, interesting, but there was nothing like glaring issues. Just like something doesn't add up in my head because mm-hmm. I'm very observant. And he says, yeah, my dad uh, goes to a Protestant church, but he'll still go to church with us as well. He plays in the band at this Protestant church, plays the drums. 
I said, well, okay, but he doesn't receive communion, right? He goes, yeah, he does. I'm like, but, and he, he proceeds to tell me, my dad doesn't believe in confession, my dad this, but he still goes to communion. And this person who again is here was a focused missionary for a number of years. Mm. This person has never said to his father, you can't, your be back. Go- <laughs> well, you can't be going to communion. Yeah. You're committing a mortal sin and they're yeah. participating in it because no one wants to say anything. It is not loving to not tell people when they're, when they err. Now I'm not saying that I need to hold a, a sign on the street corner and just tell Protestants you're damned to hell, but to have a false. Um, so is that just false, a, like, do you avoid saying certain things then? No, I think you have to always be tactful. Yeah. Cause you do that. I mean like you're involved in like political things where obviously you work with people who are Protestants on political things. And I think but I never lose the fact that I'm a Catholic and that we are not the same, but you don't, you don't, like when do you tell them that when I'm talking to them, I bring it up in every conversation. <laughs> you, say, you know, I do. <laughs> you have no, no tell doubt. Me how. Tell me how you're, you're depends with, on the situation. I, 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 will tell you, at like a I was point. at a turning point event a few years ago. And this guy, he, um, I just met him. He's a elected official and they said, Oh yeah. And then I always, people always say this thing is, Oh, I used to be a Catholic. And what if they my, don't say that though? Okay, like, but I'm saying I used to be a Catholic. That's a, that's, a, that's a more clear example, I think, in my mind, where it's like somebody that used to be a Catholic, obviously you're wrong. For Someone who's a church. Protestant in that, I don't like go out of my way to tell them that they're awful and they're going to go to hell. That's what I'm saying. That's but what I, I do let earlier. them know that the truth is in the church and that's the only place they're going to find it. When do you tell them that? When I meet them, when I'm having conversations about it. You just it's not like, hey, gate. do you like my suit? Yes. Oh, by the way, you're <laughs> yeah, a heretic. You're missing a lot. <laughs> I had Dallas. Dallas had me do an Instagram live with him and I called him a heretic on the show. On Instagram? Dallas Jenkins. Did he appreciate that? He's, I mean, he likes me. We're friends. <laughs> I'm sure he loves you more than he no, likes No, but I you. think this is a big issue that we don't talk about. The, the Protestant Reformation is of the devil. Breaking mm-hmm. away the church and to splintering into these things is the devil. Liberalism, as we know it today, it stems from the Protestant Reformation. Yeah, absolutely. Where there's no longer an authority, a central authority that tells us how things are. We all get to decide now what we want to do. We get to be the gods of our own planet or we are gods of our own destiny or gods of our own thing. Yeah, got into Mormonism there for I, a Yeah, I got into Mormonism for a second. <laughs> we be, I was hoping someone would catch it. No, but we decide what's tr- what my truth is, not some arbiter. I've said, I've said this many times. As a Catholic, I'm, I realized recently over the last two years, I'm a NatCon. What does that mean? A national conservative. Josh Hawley, Tucker Carlson, uh, pretty much a lot of Catholics. That's kind of the Catholic viewpoint of that a lot of people say is like, I would go back to a monarchy tomorrow. As somebody that wore the uniform and protected this country, served and protected this country, I would get rid of this entire system and go back to a monarchy, a, a virtuous Catholic monarchy. Is it going to happen? No. Would I like it to? Yes. You mean as like a Ro- Catholic French kings back in the, like a St. As a Louis? Roman Catholic, I already live in a monarchy. We have a pope. We have a bishop. These people have authority over me. I I can choose not to listen. That's to really them, interesting. I've never heard. But that I will. I will go to uh, hell if I don't listen to the the teachings of the church. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why get, we call them princes, right? I still exactly. I still get to go. Well, that's not exactly. Why, but yeah, that that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's we live in a monarchy as Catholics. I. It's not. Oh, if ten people over here in the parish council like this, we do that. Or if twenty eight bishops in Germany decide that they want to approve gay marriage and ordain women. Okay, well that's what they want. We don't live in that system. Yeah. There's truth and there's and that's it. And so the political thing, and I'm actually excited we're talking more politics because I talk church stuff all the time and it gets, it's a lot of inside baseball. But in the political sphere, as a Roman Catholic, I owe it to be the best, most virtuous citizen of the society I live in within reason to where it affects my, my, my soul. And so 
just because the society or the, 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 my fellow countrymen decide something as a whole doesn't mean that I believe that's right and doesn't mean I have to follow it. I have to follow my conscience, barring the fact that my conscience is actually well-formed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but being a, a, a conservative, being a Roman Catholic, being a man, of, a man, being a man, I owe it to everyone in my that I encounter within reason. I'm not saying going up to somebody and saying, hello, Mr. So-and-so, oh, you're this? You're going to hell. But I am saying at some point in that conversation, I should find time if I, if I value that person because I ultimately love that person and I want them to go to heaven. I want them to reach salvation. I owe it to them. Maybe the only time they'll ever hear from me. I, was, I literally had this conversation yesterday on the phone that in encounters with people, I could say to you, like I met Nathan and find out he's a big piece of crap. I have a, I have a conversation with you about the church, about the truth, about the Eucharist, whatever it is. And then you kind of say, you know, I don't want to talk to you ever again. You suck. And, 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 and I, so I go, okay, but I don't realize. And the thing is, is we don't like that because we want to be responsible for someone. We want to be responsible for someone's salvation. We want to be to get the, the magic cookie for like getting a guy to, to join our side, if you will. But what we have to realize is one, we continue Lord willing to pray for that person, but down the road, 10 years from now, that person that I had a conversation with, something might spark in them. And that, that was that little seed that was planted so long ago that it doesn't go back to, oh, yeah, that person did this to me. God uses us to reach these people, and it's on his time, mm-hmm. right? And so we have to be willing to, to love without getting, uh, regaining anything and realizing that we might not ever know what happened in the fruits of our own, uh, our own work in the vineyard, but we have to put in the work every day, every person. And that might be something as simple as saying thank you. There's nothing that drives me more. There's a couple of things that drive me crazy. We can have a whole conversation about things that drive me On crazy. On your pet peeves. <laughs> when old when people hours. come, when I'm sitting at a table with people, we're here, we have all these people waiting on us, taking our plates. When people don't say thank you, it uh, drives yeah. me nuts. Not because that person doesn't appreciate it and they're getting paid to do their job, blah, blah, blah. But that person in a subservient situation like this, we owe it to them to show them the dignity that they are owed yes, to yeah. say thank you. Yes, you're paid to do this. Yes, this is your job. But but the, it is yeah. the servant. Excuse me, the servant class, if you will. I owe it to that person to show them the innate dignity that they have, regardless of the fact that they're just a person picking up a plate that I just ate off. Yeah, I definitely 100 percent agree with that. That really bothers me. Um, Another thing that drives me crazy is the number of men who do not wash their hands when they go to the bathroom. And really, it, it drives me nuts. I'm glad I washed my hands the last yes, time. Yes, I pay attention, there. and I've actually chased people out before and said, "Hey, you gonna wash your hands?" Thanks be to God. Because I am that guy. That's amazing. Dang, I just had a question I was going to ask you based on that, but now I can't remember. Treating servants. I do remember. No, it has literally nothing to do with that. So you're going to think that I just zoned out while you were talking, which is possible, but I'm not admitting. I'm using my more NPR voice today, a little more (laughs) calm. You're not screaming. But this is a random, this is a random topic because we're talking politics, but. I've never asked you this. I don't think we talked about this last time. I hope we didn't. I hope everything we haven't talked about was not something we just did last time. It was just a recap. Legit. Anyway. It was yeah. just possible since we, neither of us remembered. But it was a long time ago. Donald Trump, if you got to decide, would he run in 2024? No. Why, why is that? I think the Trump presidency, the administration, was the best administration in our lifetime. There's mm-hmm. no question in my mind that the Donald Even Trump Reagan? presidency, you're old. the people in the bureaucracy were were phenomenal. One <laughs> that of was funny. Trump's, you Trump's, almost lost Trump's head speechwriter was a numerary of Opus Day. There were so right, many right, very, right. very devout Catholics within the administration. The, the 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 mechanism of the of the administration did very well. The man is is has become a rodeo show, yeah. which he's always been to a certain extent. He's a reality star. 
but I think it's a distraction. And I think it's going, we, I think we could very well win this election. If he ran and ran against Joe Biden, I think he still could win. But I think it's a distraction. Yeah. And okay, we win this time, but then we lost. I'd be pretty them. pessimistic if he ran. I think that he's the only person that could lose. There's nobody who gets people. Donald out to Trump vote. could tell people over and over again because now before it was they kept Joe Biden in the basement. Yeah, it's it was true. Just like, oh, that's right. He was just the VP. No one knew how he was going to be as a leader. We've seen now. Yeah, it's rugged and it's bad. <laughs> it's so bad. I am a. It's I like am unreal. my ultimate person. I want to run for office. I hundred percent believe will be president of the United States right now. I'm making this prediction right here, right now, and you can hold me to it. Is Josh Hawley of Missouri? Mm-hmm. Josh Hawley will be president of the United States someday. That being said, I don't think it's his time yet, and that is why I am saying right now, today, for all of your audience, for the first time ever anywhere, uh, DeSantis, 2024. Wow, that's an official endorsement. Endorsement, one hundred percent. We can put that on ads because DeSantis brings all the stuff that we like about Donald Trump without all the other oh, bravado, yeah, I'm, crazy I'm 100%, stuff. I'm one hundred percent with you. I'm done talking about Trump. Well, obviously not because we just no, did. You brought it up. <laughs> I yeah, he's just so bad. He's not so bad. He's not as bad as they make him. Up. I worked in the Bush bad. administration where they said Bush was a racist. Bush is an idiot. Bush is this. Then Mitt Romney ran. Bush is Bush. kind of an idiot. No, he's not. How do you figure? Kind of. Give you me an example. Even kind of. Give me an example. Just some of the like he give an example. He, He's had, a, he has he has Joe Biden level like gaff videos. Yes, which you can't find of Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis or, hasn't done speeches for years and years and years. I would bet you ten grand that we could do it twenty years from now and say you're not going to find Ron DeSantis saying Bush dumb shit like hat. George Bush, once Bushism shame on Bushism Bushism shame on yes. you but that is not the fool arbiter twice. we had a great orator fool, in the, we as, can't get fooled again I know you voted for the great orator uh, of the I last didn't century vote until 2020 but I would have I thought you were you were an Obama supporter the I first was, term yeah I was a registered Democrat but I never voted okay so as, as somebody I took, the, I took the military approach of, see, I, I'm just I gotta do whatever anyway so I'm not we gonna vote. see liberal we see. <laughs> What a great orator! Someone who just gives great speeches. There's no question about in our mind that the yeah, greatest. No, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, I don't being think being able to I'm give a great judging, talk. I'm not judging George Bush. You are. You're saying that's what you said. Your but first he, thing you brought up was the fact that he had Bushisms. He, he's kind of said. He's kind of some dumb. tangible thing besides he's, he's kind of li- dumb. What? I said he's, he's not dumb. <laughs> read books about him. Okay, so we're gonna have a real conversation. George Bush, <laughs> you, I, I, I love reading historical books on the administrations and how they ran behind the scenes. Yeah. Every single person, without fail, said the number one misunderstood thing about George Bush is that he was dumb. They, everyone, without fail, said the most intimidating thing for anybody to do was to have to go brief him. That he would just pepper you with questions, 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 asking. The thing that George Bush said all the time was, "I am not the expert on these things because you can't be the expert of everything as a president." Sure. I put the smartest people around me. And that is a narrative. What you're saying right now is a false narrative created by Saturday Night Live and other liberal media entities and his to gaps. make him sound. Every- do, do you think that he contributed to that stereotype? The stereotype was painted before he had the gaffe. So next question. <laughs> I don't know that that's true. Yes, it is true. I was part of it. You were old enough to remember that I was not? Because I'm you're, substantially younger than you're you? You're not substantially younger than me, but okay, <laughs> we'll so keep playing this game if you need to for your own... Your hair is getting salty, too. make me feel good. At least I have it still, which is a gift. Do you know why I have less hair than you? <laughs> because I have more testosterone. I'm more of a man. Is that Next what question. It is? Yes. <laughs> Next question. George Bush. I think the thing that frustrates George me on the Bush conservative is side is everyone makes him out now, even on the Republicans. What do you think oh, about his love for the Obamas? He doesn't have a... There's a thing about the fact that politics has to transcend 
that. I think that when you're the president of the United States, there's very few people that can relate to your life. Mm-hmm. And even the people that you ran against or had problems with, you have a, a kindred spirit to that. We saw it with George H.W. Bush became good friends with Bill Clinton, who beat him out of the White House. Yeah. They became good friends. There is something about that camaraderie. And I think of anything that shows the greatness of our country, that you can have those those connections. And I think that's yeah, one of the things- it's pretty sad that it doesn't exist. Like He's like the last example of that. Well, I think that's why I'm a huge- My moment of me being done with Donald Trump was when he didn't go to the inauguration. I thought that was a cowardly, cowardly, yeah. cowardly showing. And the thing that frustrates me the most- about, Everything he did post-election day was pretty trash. I think the thing that frustrates me the most is everyone just gives him a pass. And he talks this bravado and he's able to do these things, but he doesn't back it up with actions. Mm-hmm. And everyone says that he's loyal, but every he uh, he talks a lot uh, uh, against uh, General uh, Mattis. He says things against other generals that work for him. Right. You're the leader. You picked these people to be in your administration, to be leaders in your administration. And now you're saying they're horrible and they weren't good at their job. You picked them. Even if that's true that they're horrible, you picked them. Right. What does it say about you? Yeah, I agree. It's pretty crazy. Um, So, yeah, so hopefully no Trump in 2024. He'll also be like twice your age, which is, as we've already stated, old. So... That's for the record, great. I'm 27 years old. I don't understand where this comes in. <laughs> there is nobody in this world who's going to believe that you're 27. I don't look a day over 31. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, <laughs> 27. How old do you think I am? Do you know how old I am? You are 29. That's accurate. Did you know that or did you just guess? No. You knew it. I did not know that. <laughs> I think you do. I did not know that. I swear to you. That's impressive then. Yeah, I'll be the big 30 next year. You coming to my party? I look at it like you're a tree. If we cut you in half and look at all the layers, you look about 30. <laughs> Interesting. What a take. Any last, any last things you want to talk How about? How much weight any have you gained things? since you got married? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I would say probably five to seven pounds is my guess. Okay. Yeah. Mostly on the honeymoon. And then I've like, you gain all that weight on a honeymoon. Yeah. I was, I probably gained at least five pounds on a honeymoon. I mean, we were there for 10 days. Where? In Mexico. Came to Mexico. Yeah. I remember when I was poor. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Never been to Mexico. I won't go to Mexico for one reason. The Mexicans? Sicario. That's racist. Sicario. <laughs> that movie messed with my mind. Really? I'm not going down there. No I've only way. seen the first one, but I really liked That's it. That's the one I saw. <laughs> yeah. It's I'm not watching movie. the sequel. I bet it's good, though. No. Nah. What's well, uh, other than Top Gun? You want to do a couple hot takes before we leave here? Yeah, sure. Let's do like a, a lightning round. <laughs> Ask me some questions. Let's go. Ask you questions Challenge about me. hot takes. Um, let me think. What do you think is the biggest thing wrong with uh, dating in Catholic world? Ooh, okay. Um, that was women pretty good have, question. Women have extremely poor self-esteem in themselves. They don't see their own innate value, and so they give in and date men who they shouldn't be dating. Um, I think in general, women have this idea that everyone wants to live like Instagram celebrities and travel and all this stuff. And so guys who are right out of college or don't have you know a, a great paying job yet can't live up to these expectations that women have for that. Um, and I think that most people have been sold a bag of goods that your your spouse is going to be the person that makes you complete. Uh, if you don't have self-esteem yeah. for yourself, you even if you marry somebody, they're not going to fill you up. Sure. And your relationship is not cannot be based on the fact that everything you do is just because you're attracted to that person. Wow, that's good to know. Um, I love. And it. I'm single. 
Ready to mingle. Ready to mingle. Ready to get on out there. I love it. A uh, little shameless plug there. What do you think uh, the Catholic approach to gun control should be? I think I am not a gun owner. I'm not a fan of guns in my own life. I learned how to shoot a gun in the military. I won't. I don't own a gun. But I think to blame guns on the issue is is a cowardly uh, cop out. The issue is the fact that people do not value life. And I know people say this. And yeah, you can't. You can't necessarily, you know, plow through a, a crowd of people with a car and kill as many as you can with a gun. Um, but unless we're going to get to the root of the problem, we're just putting a Band-Aid on the, on the larger problem, which is mental health and the devil in our society. And we live in a society where everyone says this crazy stuff that, inf- that infiltrates people's minds on s- all these guys. A couple of things. One, most of them have absent fathers. Most of them have addictions to pornography, all those things. They go in deep, dark places Pornography, all those things completely uh, alienate you from society, right? Mm -hmm. And they make you more and more, the more you go into that, you get more alienated, which causes people to go crazy. But we don't talk about all those things. And so unless we're going to have those conversations, the gun control thing is, is, is a moot issue for me because we can... Chicago places like we've talked about this before you and I, but Chicago mm-hmm. places have the strictest gun laws. They have some of the worst violent crimes when it comes to guns. Yeah, it's hard so the to... issue is not guns. The issue is the, is the societal issues that no one wants to talk about because it's not nice. Absolutely. Uh, do you believe that uh, chemical imbalances causing depression is a real thing? I don't think that it's necessarily hundred percent the cause. Um, I think that's just an easy cop out and say like, we'll give someone a pill to make them different. I think all the pill does is just change your mood. (laughs) Like I don't, we have to deal with, it's okay to be caught up in the fact that you're unhappy. It's okay to be unhappy. It's Mm -hmm. okay to be sad. It's okay to be those things. The difference is we have to, especially as men, we never talk about that men. It's okay for us to be depressed. Mm -hmm. Most men don't have close friends. Most friends, most men only have like their buddies that they're in a fantasy league with. If they have that or a guy, maybe at work, they talk to, but who do men talk to outside of maybe their spouse or their significant other? If even that person. If even that person. So men feel very isolated. The culture tells men that they're the worst and you know toxic, blah, blah, blah. And so the mental health issue is not just, the answer is not to give that person a, a pill. The answer is to teach people that they are beloved children of God made in his image and likeness and their life has value and meaning and worth. And that's only done through relationships. Relationships are mm-hmm. key. We are, we are in our very nature uh, uh, um, beings uh, that desire Relational. community yeah. and relations with one another. Do you believe I'm coming up with some great questions here. Do you believe that uh, both women and people and the doctors who perform abortions in an ideal world would serve jail time? In an ideal world, I like how you asked that question because I, in an ideal world, I think that you'd have to, it begs the question if, if you, if a woman's, the argument is that you, you wouldn't charge a woman because she doesn't know what she's doing. She's been sold lies, blah, blah, blah. That's not usually how I understand the legal system to work. And if we believe abortion is murder, I think, yes, that would be in an ideal world that where we would look at where we are now. No, but where we look at, yes, doctors, hundred percent. If a doctor commits a murder, then they absolutely should be uh, charged. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that, uh, tithing should always be at 10%? No, I believe the church, the Catholic church's approach to tithing is the fact that it's time and money and talent, um, that we are called to be giving of ourselves and our treasure. Anything that we have is not ours. It's something God has granted to us to utilize for the greater good of both ourselves and the, the society as a, as a whole. Um, 
And I believe that we should be giving to the levels that we're comfortable with. I don't think having a magic number, the church says you have to give, the church does not say 10%, but the church, the idea of tithing is you might give 2% of your income to your church, 2% to the focused missionaries that contact you all the time to be one of their prayer partners. And does that happen to you all the time? <laughs> People imagine. don't even know. I'm like, yeah. And it's always, the it's thing the I hate about house. it, the thing I hate about it is this, it's disingenuous. Right. Cause it's always like, Hey, I just really want to see if you want to, I'm going to be a focused missionary. I want to see if you want to pray, be a prayer warrior. I'm like, no, you're not. You just want me to give you money. Mm-hmm. Just be upfront and say, I need to raise money. Would you be willing? It's always coming from this. Like it seems manipulative and I don't like that. Mm. And I don't know if Focus teaches people that, but I assume they do because everyone says like the same thing. That's really interesting. I know you're in Denver, so hot take. <laughs> yeah, I've never met really many Focus people. There's a lot here. Um, yeah. Yeah, there are. I mean, I've, I've met a decent number of Focus missionaries, but not like people who are training them on mm-hmm. how to raise money um, or like Focus headquarters people. But do you understand what I'm saying? It's always like, I just yeah. want you to encounter blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah. no, no. You want money. Yeah. You want me to give you money. And there can be a place for that, I think, with some people who really are very distant in their faith or might not be engaged or really doing an evangelization or things like that. Like, there can be that approach. But for those of us who are doing that, yeah, like, I don't need to feel like I'm a part of something because I give to you every month. But even you know? if it is, even based on what you're saying, it's still disingenuous because at the end of the day, you want money. <laughs> right. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're not actually you're, happy you're, if you walk away you're, with you're just putting, their prayers. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're putting it in yeah. this like nice little like yeah. warm fuzzy, but at the end of the day, you want their money. That's hilarious. That's very true. You got two more? Amazing. Uh, let me think. Let me think. I, I think I had one that I lost. Um, oh, do, what is your take on um, uh, the legalization of marijuana? I'm against it. For this reason, marijuana is not like alcohol in the same sense. Regardless of how legal they make it, it's, it has a negative connotation in society. And the stench and the thing that comes with all of it is negative. When you allow these things to happen in our society, it automatically degrades the society. Like if someone's outside smoking marijuana in that smell, it automatically kind of like makes the 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 public arena less right it just mm-hmm. has a negative connotation i don't believe it's a good thing and i don't care what anyone says it does have addictive uh principles and it does um lead to for some people to go into a a, a darker place i think this whole bs narrative that marijuana is just this nice cheech and chong you, you kind of you know seth rogan or whatever uh, person just smoking a, a joint here and there is no big deal. What does it bother you? I think that's complete nonsense. And I think it's wrong that we've legalized it. And I think we'll find that it's a, it's a detriment to our society. Last one, top five favorite rappers of all time. Can you name my first and foremost is my, my boy Enoch. You know, Enoch, I am not familiar. I'm going to play you when we get off here. <laughs> Uh, Enoch. My second one would be, um, uh, what's his name? The white dude from one, one six. No, he's the, uh, Eminem. He, he's a Christian rapper, but he's not a Christian. He's a Christian. He's a rapper, but he's not a Christian rapper. He's very popular. You would know. Oh, the one that's angry. Yes. Yeah. He's like the, why well, can't think of his name right now? I don't know. I can't think of it either, but he's great. Yeah. Because again, there is a lot of this, like what is his societal name? societal, frustration, so funny, anger. Just, That's why people like Billie Eilish. We need to have that stuff, but his music is still up. Like, even though it's negative or not negative, but it's, it's um, filled with a lot of emotions. I think that's good. That's um, awesome. Number one, my boy Enoch. 
Hundo. Enoch. Um, I love Post Malone. <laughs> really? Hollywood wow. is Bleeding is my jam. <laughs> Austin um, loves Post Malone. I like a little Posty. Uh, let me think. Um, I don't like Eminem necessarily. I think those three. <laughs> That's do. a lot for a white dude. <laughs> that, is, that was a good number. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. It is great getting to talk with you again. I am positive that we will record again someday, hopefully in person. I think this is the best way to do it. I just need to be in a situation where I don't have to feel like I felt very subdued and I don't like that. I felt, oh, I, yeah, speaking yeah, of Donald yeah. Trump, I felt like I was very low energy, <laughs> very low energy, Jeb. <laughs> well, I appreciate, I appreciate you uh, being willing to tone down your volume and your personality. Only for you, Nathan, because I love you that much. That means a lot. Uh, And I want to be said here, as much as, as, as liberal and Protestant-y that Nathan is, he's a good man striving for holiness. And so everyone listening to my voice, all four of you that listen to him regularly, (laughs) two of which are probably his wife and family, he is a good man. He really is trying. He's missing the bar every single time, but he's, he really, the effort is there. The effort is there. And I, and I, and I, and I, I commend him for not giving up. That really means a lot. <laughs> I'm so thankful. Awesome. Well, thank you, Austin, for that great closing message. If you enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to block Austin on Instagram. Uh, At so the basic you, Catholic, you never, ever said who I was. I did say the basic Catholic. No, you said Austin. <laughs> please do not follow it <laughs> and uh thank you for tuning in it's been great talking with you as always continue to fight hard to be your best god bless